0: Happy Valentine's Day, my darling little cherubs. If you don't already know, my name is Jessie, and welcome to a very special Valentine's Day edition of Tea with the Gods. Valentine's Day is a day to celebrate love in your life, whether that be romantic, platonic, friendships and family, or the love you have for yourself. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of mythology within our religion that celebrates love, despite having multiple gods that rule over the realm. Most stories of love within our mythology are tragic with little, if at any, romance. So, what's a Hellenic to do on this wondrous day of love? Well, thankfully, we do have one beautiful story to tell. Eros and Psyche. And today, in honor of their love and love everywhere in the world, I'll be sharing their story with you. So get your favorite tea, a glass of wine, a cup of coffee, any drink you choose, and let's cheers to love. Before I begin the tale as old as time, let's talk briefly about our divine lovers. Eros is a love god and represents desire and lust as well as love between men. He uses his special bow and arrow to cause a wave of desire to envelop any who get hit with his arrow. God and mortal alike are at the mercy of Eros' power, which makes him especially terrifying. Throughout mythology, Eros goes through many changes and he has various backstories, all ranging from being a primordial god to being the son of Aphrodite and Ares. He eventually was even multiplied to make the erotes. So yeah, there's a lot to cover when discussing arrows. He could probably have his own series, which is why we're not going into it all today. We will eventually, just not today. Pretty much the complete opposite, there's not much to say on Psyche, at least not much that the myths won't already tell us. She's seen as the goddess of the soul, and her main symbol is the butterfly. Okay, cue the Disney music with Tinkerbell flying over the castle, because it's time for a fairy tale. But before I start, I'm going to be giving you the condensed version. This story is actually pretty long, so I highly recommend you take the time to read it on your own. You can find it in The Golden Ass by Apuleius once upon a time there was a king who had three beautiful daughters don't they all but it was the youngest of the daughters who was seen as having an indescribable beauty her name was psyche and word of her radiance spread throughout her father's lands as well as foreign lands people were so taken by her that they referred to her as a goddess more specifically a second aphrodite to quote Apuleius. People began to say, quote, The earth, rather than the sea, was newly impregnated by heavenly seed, and had sprouted forth a second Aphrodite, invested with the bloom of virginity. Now if you know anything about Greek mythology, you already know where this is going. Because people were beginning to view Psyche as a goddess, they began to neglect Aphrodite. Her shrines were left uncleaned, rituals and offerings were not being given, rites not performed, altars abandoned. Hubris everywhere, my friends. Everywhere. See, if you're ever worried about disrespecting the gods, just think of these jackasses who abandoned their goddess for the first pretty virgin girl they see. Makes you feel a tad bit better about yourself, right? Now, you can imagine Aphrodite was pissed. Here's what she had to say. Here am I, the ancient mother of the universe, the founding creator of the elements, the Aphrodite that tends the entire world, compelled to share the glory of my majesty with a mortal maiden, so that my name, which has its niche in heaven, is degraded by the foulness of the earth below. Am I then to share with another the supplications to my divine power? Am I to endure vague adortion by proxy, allowing a mortal girl to strut around posing as my double? What a waste of effort it was for Paris, whose justice and honesty won the approval of great Zeus to reckon my matchless beauty superior to that of those great goddesses. But this girl, whoever she is, is not going to enjoy appropriating the honors that are mine. I shall soon ensure that she rues the beauty which is not hers by rights. Yeah, she's not happy. So she asked her favorite child Eros. You know it's true to punish Psyche by making her fall in love with a scrub. You know, the kind of guy TLC warned you about. Okay, back to Psyche. So the thing is, being seen as a goddess when you're not a goddess isn't that beneficial. It's actually pretty lonely. And Psyche was indeed lonely. She had no suitors while both her elder sisters were already married off. She hated her beauty and was sinking into a depression. Looking for answers and guidance, her father went to speak to an oracle of Apollo. Apollo responded with, Adorn this girl, O king, for wedlock dread and set her on a lofty mountain rock. Renounce all hope that one of mortal stock can be your son-in-law, for she shall wed a fierce, barbaric, snake-like monster. He, flitting on wings aloft, makes all things smart, plaguing each moving thing with torch and dart. Why, Zeus himself must fearful be. The other gods for him, their terror show, and rivers shudder, and the dark realms below. Okay, side note. How extra is Apollo? Like, what even was that prophecy? Oh, I love him so much. (laughs) So Psyche basically has to marry some snake-like monster or whatever. So, you know... Everyone cries, wah, wah, because, you know, they're going to lose Psyche. She's so pretty, and now she's going to be married and probably devoured by a monster. But this was all their fault in the beginning anyway, so whatever. Fast forward, Psyche's on the rock crying like Disney princesses do. When Zephyrus, the west wind, shows up and carries her down into a field of flowers, where she happily takes a nap again like Disney princesses do. After waking up, she finds a grand, beautiful royal palace. She walks in and admires all the riches and grandness and luxuriousnesses, (laughs) the nice things around her. Then a voice from somewhere says to her, why, my lady, do you gaze open mouthed at this parade of wealth? All these things are yours. So retire to your room, relieve your weariness on your bed, and take a bath at your leisure. The voices you hear are those of your handmaidens, and we will diligently attend to your needs. Once you have completed your toilet, a royal feast will at once be laid before you. Psyche was like, oh hell yeah, don't have to tell me twice. This bitch took a second nap, must be nice. And then she had a bath filled with lush bath bombs. Psyche knows how to self-care. Then she ate delicious food, drank amazing wine, living the life that I want to live. Then night came, and her and her new husband did the do. They had sex. (laughs) Later on, Psyche's husband sensed danger approaching for his wife. So one night, he warned her. Sweetest Psyche, fond wife that you are, Fortuna grows more savage and threatens you with mortal danger. I charge you. Show greater circumsection. Your sisters are worried at the rumor that you are dead, and presently they will come to this rock to search for traces of you. Should you chance to hear their cries of grief, you are not to respond, or even to set eyes on them. Otherwise, you will cause me the most painful affliction and bring utter destruction on yourself. Psyche agreed to her husband's demands, but wasn't happy about it. She whined and weeped and sulked and was just miserable because she wanted to see her sisters. When her husband came to see her that night, he embraced her and was like, babe, seriously, why are you crying? Your sisters suck. Okay, but no, this one is my favorite part. This is what Psyche did to get her way. Quote, she pressed seductive kisses on him, whispered honey words and snuggled close to soften him. She added endearments to her charms. Oh, my honey sweet, darling husband, light of your psyche's life. That right there shows that humans have not changed. We still do shit like that to get what we want in our relationships. He, of course, gave into her sweet words and kisses because they always do. So when Psyche's sisters went to the rock to mourn and grieve her, Psyche summoned Zephyrus to bring her sisters to her. The sisters, of course, are not only shocked that Psyche was alive, but that she was hashtag winning. Does anyone even say that anymore? Ugh, I'm so old. They began asking her questions about her husband, but Psyche didn't want to give much away about him, so she ended up making up a story about him being a young hunter who spends his days out hunting and she didn't want the conversation to continue because she was worried that she might have a slip of the tongue and say more than she should so she kind of threw a bunch of jewels at them and summoned Zephyrus to take them back home now her sisters after seeing how Psyche was living were pretty jelly I want to read you what they said just so you can get an idea of how awful these two are. So the first sister says, Fortuna, how blind and harsh and unjust you are! Was it your pleasure that we, daughters with the same parents, should endure so different a fate? Here we are, her elder sisters, nothing better than maidservants to foreign husbands, banished from home and even from our native land living like exiles far from our parents while psyche the youngest and last offspring of our mother's weary womb has obtained all this wealth and a god for a husband she has not even a notion of how to enjoy such abundant blessings did you notice sister the quantity and quality of the precious stones lying in the house the gleaming garments the sparkling jewels The gold lying beneath our feet and all over the house? If she has as handsome a husband as she claims, no woman living in the whole world is more blessed. Perhaps as their intimacy continues and their love grows stronger, her god-husband will make her divine as well. That's how things are, mark my words. She was putting on such airs and graces. She's now so high and mighty, behaving like a goddess, with those voices serving her needs, and winds obeying her commands. Whereas my life's a hell. To begin with, I have a husband older than my father. He's balder than an onion as well, and he hasn't the virility of an infant, and he keeps our house barricaded with bards and chains. And then the second sister said, I have to put up with a husband crippled and bent with a rheumatism so that he can succumb to my charms only once in a blue moon. I spent almost all my day rubbing his fingers, which are twisted and hard as flint. I'm a slaving nurse attendant, not a dutiful wife. You must decide for yourself, sister, how patiently, or let me express myself frankly, how menial you intend to bear the situation." I can't bear any longer the thought of this undeserving girl falling on her feet like this. Just recall how disdainfully she treated us. How swollen-headed she become with her boasting and her immodest, vulgar display. How she reluctantly threw at us a few trinkets from the mass of riches and then at once ordered us to be thrown out, whisked away, sent off with the wind because she found our presence tedious. As sure as as I'm a woman, as sure as I'm standing here, I'm going to propel her headlong off that heap of riches. If the insulting way she's treated us has needled you as well as it certainly should have, we must work out an effective plan together. We must not show the gifts in our possession to our parents or anyone else. We must not even betray the slightest awareness that she's alive. It's bad enough that we've witnessed the sorry situation ourselves, without our having to spread the glad news to our parents and the whole world at large. People aren't really fortunate if no one knows of their riches. She'll realize that she's got elder sisters, not maidservants. So let us now go back to our husbands and homes, which may be poor but are honest. Then, when we have given the matter deeper thought, we must go back more determined to punish her arrogance. Yeah, so they clearly suck. Terrible sisters. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Psyche's husband again warns her about her sisters. He's really trying to get it through to her that her sisters are the worst. Gold star to anyone who knows the legend and icon I'm referencing. He also tells her, Soon we shall be starting a family, for this as yet tiny womb of yours is carrying for us another child like yourself. If you conceal our secret in silence, the child will be a god, but if you disclose it, he will be mortal. So Psyche is pregnant and its divinity is basically in her hands. No pressure. Oh, and I really want to read you Psyche's response to her husband because I actually find it sweet and romantic. And it's Valentine's Day. Some time ago, I think, you had proof of my trustworthiness and discretion, and on this occasion too, my resolution will likewise win your approval. Only tell our Zephyrus to provide his services again, and allow me at least a glimpse of my sisters as consolation for your unwillingness to let me gaze on your sacred face i beg you by these locks of yours which with their scent of cinnamon dangle all around your head by your cheeks as soft and smooth as my own by your breasts which diffuses its hidden heat as i hope to observe your features as reflected at least in this our tiny child accede to the devoted prayers of this careworn suppliant, and grant me the blessing of my sister's embraces then you will give fresh life and joy to your psyche, your own devoted and dedicated dear one. I no longer seek to see your face. The very darkness of the night is not oppressive to me, for you are my light to which I cling. And then the story goes, quote, her husband was bewitched with these words and soft embraces. He wiped away her tears with his curls, adorable, promised to do her bidding and at once departed before dawn broke okay by this point i'm sure you're all aware that the husband is eros if not well surprise but i wanted to point out how psyche basically is able to do what eros does to everyone else but to eros and she does it without an arrow which then begs the question is psyche the most powerful and the one we all should fear food for thought (laughs) back to the story we're gonna fast forward this a bit so the sisters have obviously been planning and scheming to destroy Psyche because they're awful people so they return to Psyche's palace of love and convince her that her husband is actually a monster who is going to eat her they tell her she needs to kill him in order to save herself and they proceed to give her instructions on how to do it so that night Psyche waits until her husband is in a deep slumber he takes the lamp and holds it up to her sleeping husband and is gagged by what she sees the figure lying next to her is no monster but the most beautiful young man she has ever seen somewhere apollo just spat out his drink between his beauty that can only come from aphrodite and his magnificent wings she knew who he was her husband was eros god of desire thanks to the pining the shock the sheer drama of it all. Psyche accidentally spills a drop of oil onto Eros's shoulder, which wakes him up. Before flying off, he says to her, poor ingenuous Psyche, I disregarded my mother Aphrodite's instructions when she commanded that you be yoked in passionate desire to the meanest of men, and that you be then subjected to the most degrading of marriages. Instead, I preferred to swoop down to become your lover. I admit that my behavior was not judicious. I, the famed archer, wounded myself with my own weapon and made you my wife, and also that you should regard me as a wild beast and cut off my head with the steel and with it the eyes that dote on you. I urged you repeatedly, I warned you devotedly always to be on your guard against what has now happened. But before long, those fine counselors of yours will make satisfaction to me for their heinous instructions, whereas for you, the punishment will be merely my departure. Now, finally getting back to Aphrodite, who is still pissed, by the way. Yeah, she spends the majority of the story pissed. But oh my god, it's worth it because no one throws insults like Aphrodite on the warpath. Let me give you a taste of how she reacts when she finds out what Eros has done. This is a fine state of affairs, just what one would expect from a child of mine, from a decent man like you. First of all, you trampled underfoot the instructions of your mother, or should I say your employer... And you refuse to humble my personal enemy with a vile love liaison. And then, mark you, a mere boy of tender years, you hugged her close in your wanton, stunted embraces? You wanted me to have to cope with my enemy as a daughter-in-law? You take too much for granted, you good-for-nothing, loathsome seducer. You think of yourself as my only noble heir, and you imagine that I'm too old to bear another? Just realize that I'll get another son, one far better than you. In fact, I'll rub your nose in it further. I'll adopt one of my young slaves and make him a present of these wings and torches of yours, the bow and the arrows, and all the rest of my paraphernalia, which I did not entrust to you to be misused like this way harsh, Ty. Seriously, Aphrodite's overly dramatic, really mean guilt trip alone makes this myth worth a read. It's pure art. Oh, and while this happens, both of Psyche's sisters plummet to their deaths because they're dumb, greedy bitches, so at least something good has happened so far in this story. So eventually Aphrodite and Psyche meet. And Aphrodite is basically the monster-in-law of every wife's nightmare. In order to prove herself, Aphrodite demands Psyche fulfill specific tasks. You are such an ugly maidservant that I think the only way you win your lovers is by devoted attendance. So I'll see myself how good you are. Separate out this mixed heap of seeds and arrange the different kinds in their proper piles. Finish the work before tonight and show it to me to my satisfaction. Aphrodite leaves Psyche to sort a giant pile of mixed seeds overnight, a task very much impossible for one girl. Thankfully, a group of kind ants took pity on her and helped her sort all the grain by the time Aphrodite returned. It goes without saying that Aphrodite was not too pleased to see that the task she was sure the girl would fail was actually completed. So... Aphrodite gives Psyche a second task. Do you see the grove there, flanked by the river which flows by it, its banks extending into the distance and its low-lying bushes abutting on the stream? There are sheep in it wandering and grazing unguarded. Their fleeces sprout with the glory of pure gold. I order you to go there at once and somehow or other obtain and bring back to me a tuft of wool from the precious fleece. Seems easy enough, right? Just got to get some wool from some sheep. So what's the catch? Well, apparently these sheep are quote-unquote ferocious and quote-unquote fearsome at a certain time of the day. Yes, you heard that right. Ferocious sheep. It reminds me of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail with the rabbits. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, you gotta. It was a read by the river that told her about the deadly sheep and recommended instead to wait until she can collect the fleece left behind in the bushes. So that's what Psyche does. And another trial gets completed and Aphrodite is just not having it. (laughs) I know quite well that this too is the work of the adulterer but no i shall try you out in earnest to see if you are indeed endowed with brave spirit and unique circumspection do you see the lofty mountain peak perched above a dizzy high cliff from where the livid waters of a dark spring come tumbling down and when enclosed in the basin of the neighboring valley water the marshes of the Styx? I want you to hurry and bring me back in this small jug some icy water drawn from the stream's highest point where it gushes out from within. Not only was navigating the cliff to get to the water treacherous, but there were snakes on guard and the water apparently could talk. Kind of weird. And it used its power of speech to be so negative and so unsupportive that people just give up and go home. Kind of brilliant, actually. Zeus's eagle, the one who took Ganymede to Olympus, flew into the rescue, just like Fox in the Chamber of Secrets, and he collected the water for Psyche. Once Psyche brought back the jug of water to Aphrodite, you know our girl was internally screaming. She was like, what the hell do I have to do to get rid of this hoe? But externally, she just smiled her, I want to destroy you smile, and said now indeed i regard you as a witch with great and lofty powers for you have carried out so efficiently commands of mine such as these but you will have to undertake one further task for me my girl take this box and make straight for hades give the box to persephone and say aphrodite asked you to send her a small supply of your beauty preparation Enough for just one day, because she has been tending her sick son and has used hers all up by rubbing it on him. Make your way back with it as early as you can, because I need to doll myself up so I can attend the deity's theater. This is Aphrodite's last hand, and it's a doozy. Psyche being mortal can't go to the underworld and come back. Knowing full well that this time there was no hope for success, Psyche made a decision to end her life by throwing herself off a high tower. But before she could do so, the tower spoke to her. Don't ask me. Apparently in this, everything has the possibility to be able to talk. Because why not? It revealed to her how to get past Cerberus. Which is basically give him a treat. Isn't that how we get our animals to do anything and it told her how to get back out again but most importantly it warned her not to look inside the beauty box because in the underworld you can't look at things whether it be your dead girlfriend following behind you or whatever persephone uses as beauty preparation it's like bird box down there everyone should just wear blindfolds Especially because mortals can't seem to follow such a simple rule. Don't look at something apparently equates to, eh, just a peek won't hurt, right? No wonder Apollo doesn't trust me to follow simple instructions. So, Psyche looks inside the box, because of course, why wouldn't she? Since she was told not to, by a tower. And she falls into a deep sleep, as if she pricked her finger on a spinning wheel because she was cursed by a witch who is mad she wasn't invited to a party. Eros can't bear being away from his dear Psyche, so he finds her in her death-like sleep, and instead of being a rash idiot like some people, uh, Romeo, uh, he prays to Zeus for help. Zeus being a true believer in love, and a helpless romantic. That's the joke, by the way. That, that is the joke. <laughs> Not only wakes Psyche from her sleep, but also grants her immortality. He gave her a cup of ambrosia and said, Take this, Psyche, and become immortal. Eros will never part from your embrace. This marriage of yours shall be eternal. Eros and Psyche marry. Aphrodite accepts Psyche as her rightful daughter-in-law. And Psyche gives birth to a beautiful daughter named Hedone. And now I get to say the one thing I'll probably never get to say again on this podcast because mythology is tragic as shit. And they all lived happily ever after. The end. Wow, what a story, huh? The arrows and Psyche myth has always been one of my favorites, and I know I'm not alone in that. I definitely think a lot of it has to do with how it's much more like a fairy tale than a mythology. Pretty much all of us grew up on fairy tales, thanks mainly to Disney, so a story like this is easier for us to digest because it's familiar to us. I'm sure I wasn't the only one being reminded of different Disney movies as the story progressed. There was a little bit Cinderella, a little bit Sleeping Beauty, and even Beauty and the Beast. Also, in comparison to our mythology, There was actual romance and focus on the couple as opposed to the product of their love, aka children. We watched their love develop, we watched it almost fall apart, we watched it be put through trials, we watched them sacrifice for it, and we watched them endure. And that ultimately is the most satisfying element of the story, the enduring, the happy ending, I mean, come on, when do we ever get a real happy ending like this in our mythology, especially for women? I'd say the only other one would be Persephone and Hades, since Persephone gets to be a motherfucking queen, and that's satisfying as shit. So yeah, it's nice to actually see a woman get the happy ending she deserves, especially after being punished continuously over shit that wasn't even her fault. It's a breath of fresh air which is sad to say but it's true and it's why i enjoy this myth so much and also why eros and psyche are one of my favorite divine couples i hope you enjoyed this very special episode let me know in the comments or on social media your thoughts on the eros and psyche story and who some of your favorite divine couples are you can find me across multiple platforms tumblr and instagram both under the pastel priestess and Twitter under Tea with the Gods. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend some of this magical holiday with you. I wish you all a very happy Valentine's Day, and may the gods forever be with you. Bye, guys!